You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Turn your Bibles, if you would, this morning to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 as we continue in our Unsung Heroes um, series. Last week we learned about how God is calling us to live courageous lives. And how in every single day, there's opportunities for us to make courageous decisions. Some people may say that they're small decisions, but there's no small decision when we are choosing to live courageously for God. So we learn that a courageous life is an important life, and we learn that through the life of Benaiah. We also learned something else last week, Sunday, and what we learned was this, is that we got some crazy people on our campus. I'm just telling you right now, we have crazy people that attend Grace Covenant. I asked every single service if you were either a Marvel superhero fan or if you were a DC super fan. And people that was like, yes, I'm DC. The Marvel people like looked at them with hatred in their eyes like they had done something. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I even worshiped with you this morning. How many of you guys know that sometimes we get like so passionate about things that are just like dumb. Hello? Right? But we become passionate, not only passionate about something, but we become extremely faithful towards those things. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about this morning. We're going to talk about, uh, and I just want you to vote by, by just shouting out what you think, okay? Who believes that Daniel Craig was the better James Bond or Sean Connery was the better James Bond? Go. Was there even one Daniel Craig vote in here? Not even one. Okay, so that's pretty. There's one? Oh, okay. We'll pray for you. That's all right. You're wrong, but we'll pray for you. Okay, how about Krispy Kremes or Dunkin' Donuts? Krispy Kremes. I heard one Dunkin' Donut. I think somewhere over here. Okay, okay. Now, how about, how about this? How about this? Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Trek. <laughs> You know what is funny about these things is that people will hold on to their position on these small things so faithfully and so passionately for so long. You ask somebody who's a Mac user, an Apple user to to try to use a PC, and it's like you just ask them to give you their first child. It's like, no, not going to happen. Like We have such ingrained passion, such ingrained faithfulness towards things that don't really matter, right? What's so sad in our society today is where we can be so faithful to things that don't matter, we can be so unfaithful to the things that do. We can live a life that says these small things matter, but the big things, they don't. I was reading some statistics this week that were just heartbreaking. Statistics that unfortunately are not going to shock you. They said that in the United States, the first marriage, the average lifespan of that first marriage before it ends in divorce is eight years. Only eight years. They say we change jobs every 4.4 years. If you're a millennial, you change your jobs every three years. (laughs) We change our marriages, we change our jobs, we, we change our churches. In fact, they say that even pastors, their average lifespan in one church is about four years as well before they change churches too. God has not called us to be a people that only 
are passionate about the small things. He's called us to be passionate about the big things. Faithfulness is a part of our character that is so crucial if we're going to see ourselves live to the full potential that God has for us. How many of you in here this morning would say, man, I want to live a life that just goes to my full potential in Christ, that I would be able to live my life passionately, recklessly to the extent that God can use me. I think all of us in here would say that's, that, that's me. That's, that's what I want to be. That's what I aspire to. Well, if you aspire to that, and good for you if you do, the characteristic in your life that's going to allow for that to happen has got to be the characteristic of faithfulness. Without faithfulness, we will never step in to the greatness that God has for you. And this morning, we're going to look at an individual. His name is Elisha. He's an unsung hero of the Old Testament, and his life is a hallmark of faithfulness. In fact, you might be able to say this, that Elisha was a byproduct of faithfulness as well. Turn, if you haven't yet, to 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to look at how this faithful man of God should inspire us to live faithful lives. Write this down in your notes if you would. That not every season of life is fantastic, nor is every God assignment fun. But it is our faithfulness that brings honor to God and positions us for greater opportunity. I love, catch that. Not every God assignment feels good. Not every single one of them is fun. Not every season in our life feels good. Elijah who mentored Elisha, would say amen to that. I want, I want us to see how there was a, an environment of faithfulness that Elijah had with God, that was the byproduct of that was the faithfulness of his next person that would come alongside him or behind him, who was, his name was Elisha. There was a faithfulness that was inherited by Elisha because of what happened with Elijah. And Elijah would say amen to that last statement. Let me quickly tell you the story of Elijah. Most of you know this, but he was a prophet of God. He, he was a prophet that, that led Israel. But during the time where he was the prophet in Israel, Israel had moved under a wicked king, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, to the worship of Baal. It was false god. They had priests that would taught the people how, how to worship Baal. And one day, Elijah said, here, let, let, let's, just, let's just go at it. Listen, I will prove that my God is the true God and that your God is false. So the prophets of Baal and Elijah, they meet. And here's the thing. They say, whichever God shows up, that's the true God. How many of you know our God is faithful? We have a faithful God. He faithfully showed up. Elijah demonstrates that we serve the one true God. And he hears something. After this victory, he hears that his head is wanted by Jezebel, that he's, she's going to come after him and going to kill him. He runs to the mountains. And it's in the mountains, in this cave, where Elijah feels completely alone. Elijah's questioning God. He's like, God, I've been faithful to you. Where's your faithfulness to me now? Do, do you see what's happening around me, God? I'm a dead man. I'm all alone. Where are you? What I love about Scripture, what I love about it, is its brutal honesty. Brutal transparency. Because I'm going to guess this. I'm going to guess this. That there have been seasons in your life 
where you've been like, God, I've been faithful to you. I've tried to raise my kids the way you told me to raise my kids. I've gone to church like like I'm supposed to go to church. God, I tithe, I give. But do you see where I'm at today? God, where are you? I'm desperate. You prove to me your faithfulness in the way that I was faithful to you. God, please show yourself faithful to me. And the beauty is this. God shows up. God showed up for Elijah and he's going to show up for you. Wherever you may be today, there's a, today there's this season that maybe it's hard and maybe it's not fun, but it's a season in preparation for God to show himself faithful to you. And it may, he may show it in a way you're not expecting to. His answer may not be what you, you anticipated it to be, but I promise you this, God will answer. And he answered for Elijah. He tells Elijah, listen, you're not alone. Let's, let's, let's read in verse 15 what he says. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu of of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve... 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. Elijah, you're not alone. In this season that you're going through, I am faithful and I will show myself faithful. You are not alone. Man, that's a word for us today that we would know this, that we are not alone. Faithfulness, you know where it begins? It begins with him because he is a faithful God and he will show himself faithful to you. I love what it says in Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, you're a God of compassion and you're a God of mercy. You're slow to get angry and you're filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. It's not what God does. It's his very essence. It's who he is. He is is faithful and so when we receive his faithfulness you know what it does it compels us it should move us when he shows himself faithful in our life time and time and time again there's a response that i have to god in which i want to faithfully serve him his faithfulness towards me results in faithfulness towards him Second or First Corinthians chapter four verse two says, "Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful." It's a response that we have. Now, here's the cool thing: as we immerse ourselves in this interaction of faithfulness, first God's faithfulness to us, then our faithfulness to Him. There's a byproduct in which we display faithful servanthood to one another. Faithfulness becomes a trademark of who we are as we enter into a covenant of faithfulness with God. Do you see how that works? We immerse ourselves in faithfulness. We are mindful first that God is faithful to us. We respond faithfully to him. And then what happens is we begin to serve one another faithfully too. What you immerse yourself in is the thing you will become. What you immerse yourself in is the very thing you will become. Let me prove it to you. How many of you um, grew up maybe going and, and, and seeing a Rocky movie? Guys, 
you, if, you, if you did not raise your hand, you just lied. Everybody in America has seen Rocky, right? We see Rocky. And I guarantee you, when you were a teenager, you know what was the first thing you did when no one was looking? You started shadow boxing, right? Because you thought you were Rocky. You probably even yelled out, Yo, Adrian! Right? Or something like that. Check it out with the girls. You go take them to a Disney movie. You know what they're doing on the car ride home? Singing. And not only are they singing, they think that they're the princess, right? They're like living this out. Why? Because they've immersed themselves for the last two hours in this reality for them. What they saw was a reality for them. And so the byproduct of that immersion is that they began to live it out, right? In the car ride home or wherever it may be. The same is true when we immerse ourselves in the knowledge of God's faithfulness. The same is true when we respond to his faithfulness. The byproduct of that is we begin to live lives that are faithful. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me just throw out a caution here. Let me throw out a warning to you. What you immerse yourself in is what you will become. What you immerse yourself. Listen, I can't go to Macy's with my wife. And I don't know why they do this. When I go walking through Macy's, my wife, you get these people, they start spraying you with, with like cologne and stuff. You ever know? I'm like, I try to be all kung fu. Like, you missed me. <laughs> but, but they spray. And what do you do? When you walk out, you know what you smell like? I don't even know because there's all kinds of different scents going on. It's weird. Listen, you, you, you will smell, you will be, you will become what you immerse yourself in. When we immerse ourselves in faithfulness, we will become a faithful people. So, so God demonstrates his faithfulness to Elijah and says, you're not alone. I'm with you. Not only am I with you, there's 7,000 others. And not only is there 7,000 others, there's one individual I'm putting in your life. He's going to be an individual who's going to walk faithfully with you. He's an individual who's going to pick up where you leave off someday. His name is Elisha. Listen to what happens here. So Elijah then goes down from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah, saying, Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, don't, mis, don't, don't misread this. Don't misread this because it's very easy to read this and, and, and you almost hear this. Well, go back. What have I done to you? Right? That's not, that's not the tone. That's not what Elijah, Elijah was saying to Elisha. What he was saying, and it's better captured in the New Living Translation. He says, go back, but don't forget what I've just done. Go back, but don't forget what I have just done. What had he just done? Well, he saw Elisha. He took his cloak. He put it on top of, of Elisha. And in that moment, what he was saying is that I am anointing you under the authority of God because there's a plan and a purpose for your life. There's a calling on you. Don't forget what has just happened. Don't forget in whatever you go and you do that God has called you to something. I would say the same thing to you. Whatever it is that God has called you, you because you have a, whole, a holy calling on your life. Don't you forget what God has bestowed upon you. Don't minimize it. Don't trivialize it. Don't ignore it. Because it's a holy moment that God has encountered you with. He has called you. And so what, what is Elisha's response to that? Looking, picking it up in the next verse. In verse uh, 21. 
So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and give it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and to become his servant. Listen, if you have 12 oxen and you have all that stuff going on, you're a rich guy back then. He's a very rich man. And yet there was an anointing. There was a calling on his life. And what he did is he went and he destroyed and he ended and he put to rest anything that would ever hold him back from what he'd been called to do. How different is that? from the story we read of the rich young ruler and Jesus later. Where the rich young ruler encounters Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus says, hey, go sell all your stuff. Take all your possessions and give it to the poor. And scripture tells us that the young man walked away sad because he couldn't do it. Here you have one who is clinging on to anything except for the calling that God might have on his life. And then we have an unsung hero like Elisha that is showing us what it means to live faithful lives. A faithful life is a sacrificial life. You can never live faithfully without living sacrificially. Because faithfulness does this. Faithfulness recognizes that there's something bigger than me. Faithfulness recognizes that God's calling on my life is bigger than my comfort, is bigger than my safety, is bigger than anything in my life, and I will never turn my back towards it. And whatever might come between me and what God has called me to do, I will kill it. I will end it. I will destroy it. Whatever that might be. What an incredible challenge that is for us. People, listen to me. Listen to me. If there's anything, anything that would come between you and living a faithful life to God, kill it today. Destroy it today. Burn it today. Because God's call on your life is bigger than whatever that thing might be. So hard though, isn't it? It sounds so easy to do on a Sunday morning, right? We we all sit here and and, and I'm guilty of it like a bobblehead dog. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. And then you know what happens? Monday comes and I'm tempted to cling on to those things that I promised to destroy on, on Sunday. God hasn't called us to ease. He hasn't called us to comfort. He's called us to faithfulness. This goes so against the grain of our society, right? Because we live in a me society. What have you done for me? It's all about, it's all about me. I shared these statistics before. Did you know that one-third of all photos on Snapchat, on Instagram, or on Facebook, you know what they're of? They're selfies. Me. One million selfies are posted every single day. One million. The top three songs of the Billboard 100, you know, two of the top three, um, they're, the songs, the lyrics, they're all about how great the person is that's singing it. Not about anybody else, but just how rich I am and how great I am and all that. The top song's in Spanish, so I have no idea what they're saying. Eh, who knows what they're it could be the same thing. But we live in a society that is, it's, what have you done for me lately? It's all, it's all about me. Faithfulness. Faithfulness flies in the face of that. And faithfulness is an indispensable character trait that you and I must have if we're going to live to what God has called us to live into. So let's, let's look at a couple of things about faithfulness this morning. Write this down in number one. Is that seasons of preparation come before seasons of assignment. Let me say that again. Seasons of preparation come before the seasons of assignment. 
So, so Elijah comes down and he sees Elisha. He puts his cloak on him. Elisha turns around, burns all the stuff. He says, I'm fully committed to, to what God is calling me to do. And in that very moment, he became the prophet of Israel. Right? No, wrong. For the next 10 years, Elisha would serve underneath Elijah. Elijah would mentor Elisha for 10 years. There was a season of preparation before the season of assignment occurred. Man, don't, don't, don't just read past that because it sounds, you, we can read that in scripture and think, oh, so, you know, 10 years. Oh, that's cool. Can you imagine that though? If you had to wait 10 years for what you know God's called you to do, that's tough stuff, right? How many of you agree that, that when God calls us to do something and we see that vision and it's crystal clear and we know he's telling us to do something, we want to do it and we want to do it now. And that whole time of delay, it, it, it drives us crazy. We're like beginning to question even God's faithfulness when God is showing himself faithful during this time of preparation leading to the time of assignment. It was um, just a couple years ago, true story. There's this man who was at a restaurant, and he's choking. He had some lodged in, in his throat. And um, the maitre d' knew um, the Heimlich maneuver. He, in fact, he performed it a couple of times that year, just that year. So he's rushing over to get to the guy to perform the Heimlich. And as he's approaching the guy, some 93-year-old man gets behind the guy that is choking, and he performs the Heimlich maneuver. The 93-year-old that was behind that man who was performing the Heimlich was Dr. Heimlich himself. <laughs> For the very first time in his life. He had never performed the very thing that he was known for. For 42 years, Dr. Heimlich had taught, researched, created, perfected the Heimlich maneuver. You might say this, there was a 42-year window of preparation before the assignment ever hit him. And in that moment, he was able to do what God had called him to do, created him to do, because he'd prepared. Listen, listen, listen. There might be some frustration from some people in here today because you have a crystal clear God vision for what he's called you to do. Hey, don't question the vision. Hear me? Don't you question the vision that God has placed in you because the Holy Spirit speaks, and when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks clearly. If it lines up with Scripture, right, confirmed by others, you take that vision and you hold on to it. Don't question but right now might be a season of preparation for that season of assignment to come to pass. And don't you dare minimalize how important this season is. Because here's what happens. If you minimalize the season of preparation, you know what you set yourself up for? Quitting. Quitting before you're able to ever step into the vision. Praise God for the individuals, the men and women of God, who didn't quit before their assignment came. Praise God for them that they did not. Imagine if Billy Graham had quit before his season of assignment came. Can you imagine if the great men and women, the heroes of our faith had quit? Don't, don't you quit yet. This season of preparation is crucial for the assignment that God has for you. Number two, write this down. Is that faithfulness in the small assignments opens the way for greater opportunity. 
Faithfulness in the small assignments open up the way for greater opportunity. Luke 16.10, whoever can be trusted with the little can also be trusted with the much. He who is dishonest with the little will be dishonest with much. The small things are the big things. We learned that last week, that sometimes the, the small decisions that we make, the small, courageous, godly decisions, they seem so small, but really the small things are the big things because it leads to character. It leads to character. The same is true for faithfulness. Be faithful in the small because then you're going to be faithful in the big. Somebody, I I don't know who it was who first told me this and it stuck with me. It says this, your talents and your giftings, they'll take you to a place that maybe your character can't hold you. Think about that for a second. See, because you have a, God God has a plan for your life, amen? We're all in agreement with that. Okay, go ahead and talk to the person next because they don't believe you. We all have a, God has given us, there's a plan and a purpose for your life and it's big and it's great and it's kingdom building. Here's the thing. Because God has a gift for you and a plan for you, he has gifted you with talents. He has gifted you that plan can come to pass, right? Here's the thing. Those giftings, those natural giftings that God has can take us to a place that if it's not undergirded upon a foundation of character, Bad things can happen. We've seen that, haven't we? Too many times a gifted preacher, a gifted, gifted speaker didn't have the character that would match the gifting. The small things in which we've been called to be faithful were ignored. So when the big things came, they were unfaithful there too. What small thing did you minimalize? in your life right now, that you kind of put on the back burner, that you kind of ignore, what small act of faithfulness has God called you to that you've been delaying? Because here's what I know. That small thing is the big thing. Be faithful in the small. You'll be faithful in the big. Number, number three, write this down, is that your purpose is greater than your position. Your purpose is greater than your position. <laughs> I wonder, in that 10-year span, if Elisha ever looked at Elijah and said, man, that's supposed to, when is it my time? Right? When is it my time? But Elisha knew something that you and I got to know, that his purpose was greater than the position. See, let me ask you a question this morning. This is an important question. In fact, probably the most important question we're going to ask today. And it's this question. What is your purpose? Do you know it? What is your purpose? Here, here let, let me tell you what your purpose is. Okay? Your purpose is to worship God, to know God, and to enjoy God. That's it. Know Him. Serve and worship Him. Enjoy Him. That is your purpose. Guess what? I can live out my purpose in any position. I don't have to have a certain position in order to live out my purpose. I can live out my purpose wherever I go in whatever position I am because my position is not something that is going to cause me to live out my purpose. My purpose is going to be lived out. My purpose is to worship Him, to love Him, and to enjoy Him. I can do that no matter where I am, no matter what job I have, no matter what position God 
puts me in, my purpose can still come to pass. There's this awesome true story. I thought it was fantastic. Lady in, in um, South Carolina, she went and did what none of you guys would ever do. She bought one of those scratchers. None of you would do that. So she went to the she, South Carolina, she got one of those scratchers, and she scratched it off. She won $250,000. That'll fill up a gas tank, $250,000. And so she said, uh, they asked her, you know, the no news media came, what are you, you going to do? What are you going to do? You just won $250,000. She goes, well, I'm going to retire. And then what? She goes, I want to be a greeter at Walmart. <laughs> Isn't that great? She, she, what, what, what's happening here is that she's recognizing that her purpose has not changed. Love God. Love him, worship him, right? Enjoy him. And the overflow is to impact other people. And she's like, oh, I can do that as a greeter at Walmart. <laughs> True story. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had my family out from Florida. Um, my son graduated, and they went to Walmart. And they came home, and they're like, dude, what's up with your Walmart? Like, what do you mean? They're like, they're like, Nice. So, well, what's your Walmart like? They're like, no, but dude, like there was this person that stood there at the door and they acted like they knew me and they acted like they liked me. What's wrong with your Walmart? <laughs> Welcome to Denver. <laughs> my purpose is not dependent upon my position. I can live out my purpose as a CEO of a bank. I can live out my purpose as a school teacher. I can live out my purpose as a greeter at Walmart because my purpose is to know him, to love him, to worship him, and to enjoy him, and I can do that anywhere. Write this down in number four. We're going to get you going. Is that ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. Ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. Love what Mother Teresa said. God's not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. Come on, somebody, that's good. God has not called me to be successful. Because after all, one person's definition of success is completely different from another person's definition of success, isn't it? What you consider to be successful, maybe that's the square footage of a house, maybe that's what kind of car you drive, that's, that's your definition of success. People's definition of success can be all different. God has not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. Because when I'm walking out faithfulness, again, again, don't forget the relationship of faithfulness. God is first faithful to us. We respond by being faithful to Him, and it impacts the world around us as we faithfully serve those that may come into our, our, our spheres of influence. And as I am faithful in the small things, God can do extraordinary things in my life. Look at what happened with the faithfulness of Elijah. It didn't just impact him. It didn't just impact the nation of Israel. But it continued to impact for generations. He mentored man and taught him how to be faithful as well. Listen, what you do today has generational impact. The faithfulness of a, of a husband who says, I will destroy anything that comes between 
my calling by my God or my relationship with my wife, I'll kill it. Do you know what kind of an impact a man like that can make in this world? A wife. And no matter how bad the season may seem right now, how dry that season may seem in their marriage right now, who says, I have, be, I have made a promise. God, I would be faithful to you in my vows. I would be faithful to my husband as well. Do you know what kind of an impact that makes in this world? You know what kind of an impact it makes in this world? Where an individual says, God, I don't see my assignment today, but I'm trusting that this is a season of preparation for the season of assignment. God, I will not quit. I will remain faithful to what you've called me to do. What kind of an impact will that make? God has called us to sacrificially live faithful lives to him. Can I tell you something? Man, is it worth it? Is it? It's so worth it. As hard as it may be come Monday, I promise you what you're going to experience is a life and a life to its fullest. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we thank you that you are a faithful, good God. You show yourself faithful to your people. You show yourself faithful time and time and time again. Lord, let it be said the same thing of us. That God, we may be a people who is faithful to you, faithful to what you've asked us to be, faithful to who you're shaping us to be. And God, may we serve you with passion and joy. And maybe that interaction of faithfulness for you to us and us to you, Lord, may that overflow in our lives and impact those that come around us. Lord, teach us faithfulness. Father, for you are worth it. You are good. You are holy. You are God. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.